Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Wrap. Tom Mazzaway, Clarence Black, Jess Monticello in the house at NRM Streamcast. Thanks for joining us, and we are here live from the Jim Reels friendly Chrysler Jeep Studios in Farmington. We keep putting out these uh, shows, and we hope that you enjoy them. If you listen to them and uh, pass the word that we're, we're trying to keep you entertained. We had Mike Lucci on our last show, looking back at that infamous day at Tom Dempsey, Beat the Lions on that 63-yard field goal. We lost Tom Dempsey over the weekend uh, to the COVID-19. He was uh, not feeling well to begin with. He had dementia, but it did attack him, and he passes away at 73. So it's a great stories from Luch, and uh, he's still hoping that the Lions can uh, reward their phenomenal fans. Every time I, I get pissed off when I read anything on Twitter or Facebook, and they put these polls out, who would have – Best fans in the NFL, and they never had the Lion fans up there. I well, mean, they, they are—they are the best fans. Every game is sold out. Doesn't the matter best how bad fans. the team is. We're just so like we're not talked about. It's—it's it's almost like they're so bad that no one even gives a damn about them about us. People hold it on. bothers. I'm me. a listen. I'm a I I've I tried in a prior life <clears throat> at a prior media organization to do the. I'm not a fan, I'm cynical, I don't want to have any and it doesn't work for me. No. I'm a fan. And I'm gonna die my a heart. Fan. I I have to deal with it. I have to eat it. I am a fan of my my hometown teams, man. I had to the the freaking they played the the two thousand five or six no the two thousand maybe maybe two thousand seven. The Le, the LeBron at the palace at twenty two. Yeah, he was point, a young I, man. Oh I can't watch it. And then they then they're playing the old games, and I still realize to this day that watching the Larry Bird steal, Ugh. it it like it does. It, I get a physical reaction oh, yeah. from watching the damn Larry Bird steal. Just like I remember throwing, I broke a remote control. I I, I don't admit this to many people, but I broke broken a, a remote control and a plate across my room when when David Ortiz hit that damn home run oh. in the ALCS. <laughs> yep. threw, it was the first time in my oh. life, first time in my life, oh. Jess, I ever threw some, something. Out of out of sports anger, I'd never done it before. Uh, I haven't done it since, and I had and I walked right out the front door. You know I've never I, done it before or since. You know what I loved? That was the series. Is the cop is all yeah. excited yeah. about the and, home yeah. run? Yeah, and Tory Hunter, Hunter, man, he must Not be dead. hurt. Right? Do you, do you know they made a bobblehead in Boston yeah. of Tory Hunter going over, and the cop, the cop was the bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> they had a bobblehead day on our expense. I t- I'll tell you this. Some have, roided out guy to hit it out. Having, so, yeah, these classic having, games have been great, but I, some of them I don't want to remember. Well, having seen Ortiz hit <laughs> several bombs against the Tigers, I think with bases loaded, you'd walk that guy. I'm just – he might not hit like that against other teams, they but had against it. the Tigers. You know, they had that – they were up one game to nothing. That goes up 2 nothing. they come home. For, for Verlander, Scherzer, and, and Porcello. The way it's you over. Feel, the way you feel. So – the way you feel about the flag in Dallas, that's that was me with the I literally threw, yeah. picked up the plate, tossed the plate, <laughs> tossed the remote. Were you single walk, back then? Uh no. Walked okay. out. Yeah, no, yep, just recently separated. Okay. Nobody was I walked I, I never I literally walked around the block and I was like, this could not have just happened. Mama. And I was I was painful. like, and so when people talk about the po- <laughs> trying to explain the power of sport to people. Who are not? I'm just like I don't, yeah. I don't want to talk. About it really, it just it's intoxicating. Well, it's, we talk look about, at you. you, you, you make fun of me every time I wear my Lions well, gear. I remember the Dempsey kick, right? 
I remember the catch that wasn't a catch. I, I there's just there's so many. Which one though? What's what is the one game or clip that literally will make your blood pressure go up? What is the one thing you I can't see the the, the Larry Bird steal. I can't do yeah, it. That's bad. I can't. I just can't do it. That's I can't bad. do the Larry Bird steal, and I know it. I turn away. Here's my moment in sports, and it's not a big moment, right? We have um, Victor Martinez who is hurt batting one out runners on first and third first and second whatever the tigers are about to rally and he comes up and he's batting late in the game and i'm like this is a double play does osmus is he so afraid of his players that he can't put somebody else into hit because victor even if he hits gets a base hit is going to be a liability on base and if he hits a ground ball it's a double play. It's like. But was it like, a shift at the time? Which which series was this? I, I, it was it was uh, it was the was play, it Baltimore. It was the play where Victor tried so hard to beat out this double play that he injured his leg so badly he was done for the season. Oh. And and I I'm yelling at the TV before right. it happened. But you got to trust your best hitter. That he'll get a hit at least. Look, that's what he's betting on. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give. Is this a playoff game? No, no. Okay. My my problem with it was that the manager was afraid to manage. Okay. Right, and that's been That was Osmus's problem here. He's afraid of his players. Sparky, when he was in Cincinnati, I saw a thirty for thirty on Sparky. I think it was thirty for thirty. When he came to Cincinnati, there were three guys on that team. He said, you guys can do anything you want. And he let everybody else know it. One of them was Bench. Perez. Morgan. There you go. And Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan. Do what you guys want. Or Pete Rose. You guys are leading the team. Do what you want. But everybody else, here are my rules. Joe Morgan said that's the most pressure he ever felt. Sure. Because he was basically saying when he did it, oh, yeah, you're going to rip me, but you're going to also rip them three. He was like, so basically, it was Sparky forcing them. Like he's like, we had to be married to him, and he was like, it's crazy. It sounds like That's we had to. Team. We he he forced. He, it was a forced marriage by 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 singling out the three leaders and saying, congratulations, guys. When the team ain't doing well and they want to hit me, I'm going to say, well, what are those three doing? Can you Man. imagine? Sparky Spark- was brilliant. Can you imagine Sparky going out to Jack Morris and saying, give me the ball, and Morris saying no? Hell no. No, no. it's a matter of respect, a Correct. matter of being the yeah. manager. Man, we could anyway, talk about this sorry. stuff forever. Uh, no, don't yeah, be sorry. Yeah, we got to talk about that. That's the danger. That is, though, that's the danger of classic play, replaying games, man. Hey. Old emotions, bro. Old emotions. <laughs> they come through, man. And, this and is that a, one does raise my blood pressure. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's plenty. And this boxing can raise anyone's blood pressure, oh, especially yeah. if it goes to the cards and the referees are, are deciding it, the uh, judges are deciding it. We go back 33 years. 33 years. It was Hagler and Leonard. From Caesar's Palace in Vegas, and it brings up phenomenal memories for me as a Sugar Ray fan. And you know what? I felt bad for Hagler in a way, but then I didn't. I hated Hagler, and I loved Leonard. You had to pick one or the other. I remember watching it at the Meadowlands Racetrack on closed circuit. We're going to have plenty more to talk about with this, with Yahoo Sports' Kevin Ioli, who covers boxing and MMA for Yahoo, and Kevin wrote a phenomenal uh, story on the anniversary yeah. of this fight. And you can watch, uh, you can check out Kevin on Twitter 
at Kevin I. That's it, Kevin with a capital I on Twitter. Kevin, thanks for joining us. It's Maz, Clarence, and Jess. Full house, man. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. What's hey, up, Kevin? It's our pleasure, man. Hey, take us back. That was a great column that you wrote, a great story that you wrote, and it brings back all the memories, especially we're all locked in our homes here. And Man, I'd pay to see that fight right now, and I think I think I might have it on uh, on my DVR. i got to go back and look at it today, but take us back to that day and how this fight even got made. Well, this, you know, um, Marvin Hagler, but you have to go back a little bit before that, probably um, uh, a year or so before. Right. Marvin Hagler had come off the Thomas Hearns fight, and he had a fight against a guy named John the Beast Mugabe, Mugabe sure, yeah. who was a really big guy at the time, a huge puncher, undefeated, a guy from Uganda that a lot of people didn't know about. Kickboxer, right, Kevin? He was a, a major league fighter. And a lot of people wondered, hey, can Hagler handle Mugabe? One of those people who was watching on television happened to be one Ray Charles Leonard. (laughs) And he saw Mugabe give Hagler all sorts of trouble. And he said, you know what? I think I can beat this guy. And when he saw that, he called his manager, Mike Trainer, and said, let's make this fight happen. Trainer said, are you crazy? Are you sure? He said, let's make it happen. And that's how it began. So on that (laughs) day when he watched that fight, he got the idea that he could win, and he made the fight happen. Um, and nobody believed him. I, I looked it up, and there was a poll in the L.A. Times, which was really fascinating. It had trainers, you know, Eddie Futch and Emmanuel Stewart and Gil Clancy. It had the top media people of the day and had a couple of fighters. And 46 out of the 50 picked Hagler to win. And one of the people who picked uh, Leonard to win, it was almost like a, a tongue-in-cheek joke where he said Leonard by two, uh, in two rounds. So, oh, um you know that's what um, that's what uh, happened. So I think it was just a fascinating way uh, to get to that fight, and nobody gave Leonard a shot to win. And this is after he's retired like three different times since then. And he had a, he had the uh, detached retina. He's coming back, and he not not only that, but he makes these rules up. He's like throw these rules out at him. We want. A 22 by 22 ring instead of a 20 by 20, so he could run more. Right. He wanted 12 rounds instead of 15, and the gloves 10 ounces versus 8 ounces. He got all of those okayed, and Hagler and him go make a big, big prize fight out of it. Phenomenal. Hagler wanted that fight so badly, and you know he had wanted it. Um, I think what really happened, the rivalry between them, in 79 they had a fight. Uh, they fought on the same card. Leonard was the main event fighting uh, Wilford Benitez eventually go on to the Hall of Fame for his first world title. Uh, they fought for the WBC welterweight title. And the co-main event was Hagler going for the middleweight championship against Vito Anaferma. Oh, so that kind of got people thinking, hey, these two guys might fight someday. And then in 1982, it had been a couple years, and Leonard had gone through some big fights with Tommy Hearns and Roberto Duran. And Leonard calls a press conference that was held live on ABC from the Baltimore Civic Center, and he invites all these celebrities, including Hagler, to the thing. And Howard Cosell is the MC, And everybody's thinking, okay, the fight is going to be announced. It's going to be Leonard and Hagler. And Hagler was the last person to talk before Leonard got up. Leonard then walks up and said, a fight with this man would be one of the great fights in boxing history. And Hagler gets a big smile on his face. And Leonard goes, unfortunately, it will never happen. He retired. And Hagler just about died. Yep. Leonard announced his retirement, oh. the first of several retirements that he had, as you alluded to. And I think that really led bad points that Hagler had for the rest of his career and even beyond the end of his career towards Sugar Ray. Kevin Ioli joins us. Yahoo Sports covers boxing and MMA and 
you can't compare these fights, man. I mean, go ahead, Clarence. No, I, so for us, Kevin, here in Detroit, obviously we were a Hearns. I mean, we were a Hernstown. I mean, it was it was all about the hitman, and and still to this day, I mean, people call it. I mean, just the greatest. You know, however many minutes of of boxing Hagler Hearns know, ever Hagler. I mean, Hagler, the greatest. I mean, just sheer, just sheer animosity in in the the Tommy yeah. Hearns right hand. But it was interesting. Aside from that, Sugar Ray had such a a hold on the black community. I mean, it was a it was a it was the name, it was the face, it was just, you know, he spoke well, he was articulate, he he understood how to captivate people and he understood the camera in a day and age where that stuff mattered. He was an Olympian. He was now yeah. Marvin Marvin Hagler, I mean, had a phenomenal story. He didn't talk. He wasn't a very visible person. I, I started to like Marvin Hagler as a as an adult as I started to learn more. But as a mm-hmm. kid, it's just there were so many going into that fight. It was just everything was just Ray, Ray, Ray. Do you think in hindsight Hagler regrets? Because I saw him do a little more stuff after the loss. Do you think he regrets maybe not like letting Ray just have so much of of just that over him um, in terms of just being able to to just to gravitate toward on it. I mean, the he fans. wishes that he had, you know, he was in a very strong position at that time. I mean, yeah, Ray I, I didn't get it. You know, Ray wanted his championship, so that was what he, you know, he had a lot more strength than he thought. But Sugar Ray just was able to, you know, his, he had an, a beautiful negotiator and Mike Trainer. They had done that all throughout their career. You know, his pro debut was a six-round main event on CBS, right? He he never signed with the network. He moved wherever he wanted to go. Leonard just had that ability. He had the perfect team around him, and he was seen as the uh, successor to Muhammad Ali by a lot of people. The colorful guy, the well-spoken guy, the boxer who he wore the tassels on his shoes like all he did. And that really, all that added up. You know, the public was looking for somebody to come after Ali, and Ray Leonard was the guy they picked. Now, the judges had it 115-113 in a split. The third judge, what fight was he looking at? 118-110, Leonard. Yeah, oh, horrible. I just That was Joe Gara, and that was so crazy. Um, I, 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 wa- I have watched that fight over the years, guys, so many times. It's dead even. And I have scored it for all three ways. I've scored it for both guys, and I've had it a draw. But there's no way that you say it's any more than a seven-five or six-six fight, you know. And so, you know, when it's hard to score it after you know the result, right? So, you know, I you go into it looking for certain things, and so sometimes you you know see what you want to see. But it was a very close fight. You know, Hagler fought a dumb fight in my opinion because he he fought out of a conventional stance when he was a softball, and he did that for the first four rounds, and then a lot in the rest of the fight. But there's no way that, that Trigger Ray Leonard, no matter how much you like him, no matter how much a cheerleader for him you are, that you can say that Sugar Ray Leonard won 10 out of 12 runs. No way. Kevin Ioli joins us. Yahoo Sports covers boxing and MMA. And, Kev, this is just a, 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 just a question. I don't even know if you can answer it. I mean, boxing today, and I'm a, I'm a huge time. boxing fan. I'm a huge boxing fan. What, what the hell happened to it, man? What happened to the sport? 
Well, I think, you know, I mean, what really happened was TV and, you know, the NBA came along, the NFL grew up. If you think back, just go back to when boxing was one of the biggest sports in the country. And I think that goes to, you know, right around the time I was born, 1960. I was born in 59. Yeah. So 1960, you know, at, at that point in time, the NBA was not very big. Even when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 77, and I would watch the NBA finals at night on tape delay right. at 1130 p.m. That's right. So the NBA wasn't that big. The NFL just had the greatest game ever played in 58, right? Yep. And that was Coach when it Giants. started to grow, but it didn't really ex- go crazy until the Super Bowl years came. But then those sports developed. People saw boxing as corrupt, and they wondered what was going on. And that was, um, and that, you know, that just kind of did it in, and it's never, it's really struggled to come back. Now, you cover MMA as well. And uh, I, and, you know, maybe maybe I'm a spoiled sport, but I'm just I'm not an MMA guy. I don't even want to. I don't watch it. I just I don't know. I just turn my nose up at it. You like it versus boxing? Love it. I know you love it. <laughs> I'm asking Kevin. He's my age. So do I like it as much yeah. as boxing? Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. Um, you know, when I when I first started covering MMA, I didn't understand the grappling part of it, but I understood it, and so. Grappling is one of those things, especially if you're a boxing fan and you don't know grappling, that it looks terrible and you don't understand what's going on and you don't understand how physically draining it is. But once you understand it, it makes the sport so much better because there are so many different ways to win. And here, here's what makes MMA great, and I think you should give this a chance. When you look at it you say, in a boxing fight, let's say no matter what fight it is, you know, you know Mayweather against some, somebody, once the fight starts a certain way, and round after round, it's very little chance that the other guy's going to turn it around and win. I mean, it happens, and it's happened over the years, but it's often they get into a pattern, and you see these 118, 110, you know, 120, 108 scores. And MMA, because you have so many different ways to win and so many different things you can do, that it, it gives the person losing other chances to win, and, and it, things can happen in the fight that can't really happen in boxing. And so I think that makes it... So I like them both. You know, I, I've been around a long time. I, I saw Sugar Ray Robinson fight when I was a kid uh, in my first fight That's that my, my dad guy. took me to <laughs> when I was like six years old. It was his final pro fight until Sugar Ray Leonard and all the way through to Floyd Mayweather today. But I, I, I love both sports. Well, I the think... Thing, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Jess. I think, I think one of the differences is you mentioned Sugar Ray Robinson. He was on TV every week, right? Every Saturday... There was there was a fight on Saturday Night Fight sponsored by Gillette, and Sugar Ray Robinson was on often. He was a household name. He was the guy. They didn't have to wait a year in between no. fights back and then. then. Yeah. And then yeah. as that went away, the next guy was Ali. Yeah. And you either loved him or hated him, but it was it was the sort of thing where everybody paid attention, whether you were a boxing fan. So Howard Cosell made his money. Yeah. yeah. That's how he became Howard right. Cosell. There was a veritable plethora <laughs> of fans at that time. Well, and Kevin, I'm a young enough guy. Like, you know, I go back to Ultimate Fighter 1. I go back to being in college right. watching the, the tapes when UFC was, you know, before Zufa got it, when it was just, you know, you fought like it was a, the tournament. So the thing I loved about it was from the beginning, it was free. It was free. And because it was just the UFC, I knew that. Hey, Dana was Dana had a very simple philosophy. The best guys are going to fight, period, because that's what the people want. I'm a huge boxing fan. Man, I got, what, five champions in each 
in each weight class, the weight classes are in yeah. what a third what so five champions a class, and I've got what how many now twenty two different seventeen weight, weight classes. Four I mean, come, seventeen weight classes. So, a, why can't these guys just figure? Because look, the champ is the champ, and that's one of the things I grew up. Well, me, if you were the heavyweight I champ, did, you were the I champ. I write my column on that last week, so check that out. Because I I took it up. I think one of the things that what you're alluding to is boxing has a problem with the ratings. And so what happens is if you're the champion of the WBC, the WBA, the IBF, and the WBO won't rate you. And they don't put the mandatory challenges in there either. So the ratings are all jumbled. So you get these mandatory challengers in weight classes that aren't good enough to, to fight for the title. So what I urged last week in my column on Yahoo Sports, I said, hey, look, let's do two things. Let's rank the champions across all the board, and let's rank all the fighters as well. So this way we have some semblance of good rankings. And then instead of doing mandatories, just say you have to fight somebody in the top five every year. Yes. That will then make sure that the the champions are fighting the best people and, and we can get the unification fights that we want to see. What do you think of the Tyson Fury? What do you think of Tyson Fury in general? I think mean, he's awesome. I think, you know, he's a terrific boxer and, you know, he's got a great backstory. He's a guy that came from... You know, he almost killed himself a couple of years ago, and now here he is, the heavyweight champion. He's going to make a ton of money for a third fight, and assuming he wins that, he's probably going to fight Anthony Joshua in a fight that, you know, might set all records. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I think he's a fun guy, um, and he's a great story. I like him, too. You know, that's the one thing I do like right now. I'm enjoying watching him, and, and there's a couple other heavyweights that I like as well, but there's not not much past that. Yeah, Kevin, and I was i got to ask you, because I've been – I cannot for the life of me, given his skill set, why wouldn't Deontay Wilder take I, I take the mandatory rematch a year from now? Take well, Joshua. To me, he still needs a lot of work as a pugilist. Not a, The power is there. Why would he take a third fight? Is he just gambling that he can get him with the right hand on a third fight? I, I just I don't get why Money. he takes that right away. Money. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think it was one of those things that he had no choice. In other words, if he turned it down, Fury's going to move on, and then they would probably never see each other again. So he had to do it. I just thought that what he should have done was negotiated a deal. Now, because of the coronavirus, it's been pushed back. It was originally going to be July 18th. Now they're talking October 3rd, and we'll see even if it happens on October 3rd. Um, but having said that, I think it's just a, a situation, you know, where he was uh, – you know, he was forced to do what he had to do to get the fight because otherwise he would, you know, Fury would have moved on and Wilder probably would have never been back in the picture. And do you think we're getting Ruiz and, and Joshua three? I think, I think um, we're not going to see that. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see Joshua fight uh, Kubrat Pula. That fight was just recently canceled. That is a mandatory fight. And I think what will happen is, assuming Fury beats Wilder in the rematch, I think, uh, and Joshua beats Pulev, I think you'll see Fury and Joshua fight sometime next year. Hey, Kev, man, we got to have you on again. We, we're out of yeah, time, but we, we we can keep we, we we have to come up with something to do in these, and we're, we're all locked in. We got to at least talk sports, right? Do it, guys, anytime. All right, Kev, thanks so much. It's Thank Kevin you, Kevin, Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports covers boxing and MMA. A reason it, we wrapped it up with Kevin, and I want to wrap it up boxing here, but we got some bad news. That just hit. Uh, Mr. Tiger, Al Kaline, has passed away. Oh, no. At the age of 85. He passed oh away at home. And uh, the cause of death, not immediately, not immediately available. I do want to say when I was at spring training back in February and got to see him, something was off with him then. 
I just I even talked ah. to talked to a few people around back then, and I'm like, did you notice that I, I just didn't look like he always looked? Well, this town strong. will mourn for him, no for doubt sure. about it. And it for and sure. the greatest Tigers ever. Absolutely. Unfortunate, unfortunate in so many ways we don't have a season because I think the ballpark, the every it you you'd be looking at a memorial the likes of which I think is reserved for very few people in sports period, but definitely for him here. And just saw him on the uh, um the Roar of eighty four documentary, which I th- which is another brilliant thing if you get a chance to see it. It was amazing. But um yeah man, just, just wanna wow. rest in peace. I remember going down to spring training one year years ago, maybe ten years ago, and he and Yogi Berra was sitting in a golf cart and I went up to them sheepishly and I'm like, I have the honor of taking your picture. And they were like, smile they couldn't have been nicer. I got that picture at home. I gotta bring it in to show it to you. It is phenomenal. Yeah. But Yogi Berra and Al Kaline. Well Al Kaline Al Kaline man. back in back in the day used to, I don't know if he still did, but I haven't been in a long time. He used to come to all the Tiger fantasy camps. Yeah. And just endure us uh, uh, getting autographs and hanging with him and asking him questions. And then he'd do a little clinic on showing us hitting. And, yeah. and it was like we were all starstruck. He was the quiet man, wasn't he? Yeah. The quietest quiet, thing I've ever seen. Quiet, is, greatest hitter ever. There's a picture of him working a job in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Like, I forget what he did, but he was he got a suit on, and they're like, you know, Al Kaline spent his offseason working for so-and-so. And I'm like, mind blown. Would it be simple to ask, is, is he your favorite Tiger? Well, he's one of them. Norm Cash is probably my favorite Tiger ever. I'm a lefty. Rest in peace, Mr. <laughs> K-Line, Mr. Tiger. Al K-Line passing away at the age of 85. Plenty more coming up I don't want to diminish him. him. I love Al K-Line. Of course. Thanks to everyone involved with the wrap. Uh, David and Angel behind the glass. Stevie helps us produce. Clarence, thanks for coming in. God bless your wife. Hope she's good. Hope yeah, she's safe. Sure, man. Jess, yeah, thank you guys. Man. stay healthy. Keep smiling. Enjoy the weather, everybody. But stay away if you can. <laughs> Try Six to stay feet. home. Six, Six feet. feet. I know me and Clarence are only like two and a half feet here. Get the hell away from me, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it's Maz on the wrap. Thanks for c- tuning in. See you later.